0: The Blast From Our Past Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past Podcast. We are the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more. All from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today... We are doing one for the portly boys. We're doing one for the chubsters, the fatties, the big whales out there. I'm kidding. I mean, because I'm one of them. Say it's <laughs> us. It's us. It's us. It's us. We're doing this episode for the big boys, and that is for us. So we are talking a movie I very much connected to, uh, the 1995 film Angus. And then we're going to do uh, a cartoon that also stars a another rotund gentleman. Uh, the cartoon is Life with Louie. So, and then we're gonna do our own recasting of Angus using actors of today. So, um, yeah, that's what we've got going on. It was definitely, uh, it was one that I picked because Angus was a movie and I'll talk more about, you know, my connections and, and um, my thoughts on the film beforehand and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited to talk about this one, John. This was very, feels like a personal episode.
0: Yeah, you've had this on the list for a while, and uh, I know you've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm very curious. Was this your first time watching the movie? This was my first time watching it. I was aware of it, and maybe I was just aware of it because you had talked about it before.
1: Because I don't think anyone else is aware of this movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very few <very> people. <laughs> I think, I think people that's I, probably what Yeah, one. I think very few people. But, uh, uh, yeah, I'd n- never seen it, so mm-hmm. it was my first time. And I, I okay. did watch it with my son. That's what I, I was, I was
1: kind of hoping... But- between the family, that the son would watch it because just because I feel like you know he might have the be, most be able to connect to it. So maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe not. We'll see. So, no. all right. Uh, Angus came out in 1995. John, what else happened that year? All right,
0: so the film was released on September 15th, 1995. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. I really hate the trip, but I got a low. They coke, I see myself in the pistol smoke. Fool, I'm the kind of need the little homies wanna be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. Oh hell yeah. That's a <laughs> great time in our lives. <laughs> uh, great song, great music video. hmm I love that love one it. with the uh, Michelle Pfeiffer sitting backwards on the chair. Yeah. And yep, uh, from Dangerous Minds. Yep. And uh uh, wonderfully parodied by Weird Al yes, as I of course. was constantly reminded by my son <laughs> <laughs> when uh, I was talking about this. Uh, Topping the Nielsen ratings was Home Improvement, a show I know uh, we all enjoyed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for video games uh, that's uh, about a week or so before this, uh, a game called Rayman, not Rain Man, Rayman yeah. by Ubisoft uh, was released. Um, I know nothing of the game.
1: I've I've definitely seen the game. I know of the game. Um, I recognize like the character
0: and the name, but I yeah, never played it. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called "L is for Lawless" by Sue Grafton. No idea about that. You know who that is or what that was. It sounds like a okay. maybe like a crime novel of some kind. Yeah, yeah, I don't know it. Okay. okay. And my fun fact for 1995. Uh, 20 years earlier, 1975, Leonard and Nimoy had published an autobiography an autobiography called I am not Spock. And 20 years later in 1995, he, repli- he published a second volume called I am Spock.
1: Yeah. I think he realized, you know what? Yeah, he probably yeah disliked being, you know, only known as Spock right. and then eventually became part of his personality. And like how much love and appreciation people had for him as Spock. I'm sure he grew into being like, yeah, okay. You know what? I'm fucking Spock.
0: Yes. And I, I, I think hopefully they realized and, as a fan, I'm, we're willing to do this. How much money we're giving to them for, like, <laughs> con appearances and other things. Uh-huh. Like, we love to see them. And, and even if it's not as the character, we still just love to see them and to, you know, yeah. to talk about the thing we love. And so, I, I mean, I every every Star Trek con I've ever been to, which has been quite a few, but also I live where one of the biggest ones is. So it hel- it's yeah. easy for me to just kind of go down there. Which, is it
1: still at the Hilton? N-
0: uh, no, it wasn't at the Hilton. It was at the Rio. Okay. But it's moved partly, I think, because the Rio has kind of become a little run down. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, it, wow. I think COVID really hit it hard. Ooh, and so, okay. I, honestly, I will, will not be shocked if it doesn't close down here in the next year or two.
1: Wow. That surprised me because that was always one of like, I mean, not like a top tier, but it was always like a very,
0: as a staple. It, it was, it, was, it was staple. especially for Off the Strip uh, Casino. Uh-huh. Um, But uh, yeah But I enjoyed going to the cons And we kind of bring this back around uh, And that was 1995 Okay, alright So some
1: very good and cool stuff happening in 1995 And now let's talk about a movie That I'm sure most of y'all have never even heard of Alright, Angus 1995 Directed by Patrick Reed Johnson, uh, he has directed some episodes of Dinosaurs, uh, the old the sitcom. Remember mm-hmm. that one, uh, Baby's Day Out. If you remember that movie, um, also worked on some visual effects for V, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, American Tale, Wrote the movie Dragonheart. If you remember the, oh, okay. Sean, Pat- or the Sean Connery film,
0: yep. Which, horrible, you know, fi- I, I- horrible film. Great soundtrack. Okay, or I should know. say, great score, not great soundtrack. Great score. Yeah.
1: Uh, So this movie is based on a short story called A Brief Moment in the Life of Angus Bethune by Chris Crutcher. Um, It's from a collection of short stories that he wrote called uh, Athletic Shorts, Six Short Stories, um, which I've never read. Uh, I had no tie to that at all. Um, The screenplay was written by Jill Gordon, who she had written on... Shows like Different Strokes, Benson, Doogie Howser, Wonder Years, My So-Called Life. A lot of, like, uh, particularly when I think of Doogie Howser, Wonder Years, My So-Called Life, I think of kind of um, coming of age, and that's very much what this movie is about as well. Cast for this film, uh, Angus Bethune is played by Charlie Talbert. This was his very first film, and he's done continuous small parts, but it never really became, like, a, a big, big named actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa LaFever is played by Ariana Richards, who we would all recognize from Jurassic Park 1 and mm-hmm. also in Jurassic Park 2, also in Tremors 1 and Tremors 3.
0: Yep.
1: So uh, Rick Sanford is played by James Vanderbeek yeah. from Dawson's Creek fame, Varsity Blues fame, uh, also the Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, uh, if you remember that show. <laughs> no. Okay, that was Kristen Ritter. He actually played like a fictional version of himself. It was kind of funny. Oh, okay. Uh, it only lasts like a season. Maybe it was two seasons, but... Uh, all right. Uh, Troy Wedberg was played by Chris Owen. Uh, I remember him best as Sherman in the American Pie franchise, but mm-hmm. he was also in Major Pain and Plenty of Small Parts. H-
0: huge... Uh, co- uh, not ca- comic actor. Uh, character actor throughout the 90s. Anything yeah. that had teens or kids in it he was sure to be in it as a kind of a kooky side character of some kind mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah
1: very much he had he had that young look that yeah. young geek look or something yeah that's pretty much him
0: honestly made a great career out of that
1: yeah absolutely absolutely uh meg bethune aka uh angus's mother is played by oscar winner kathy bates <laughs> i was like- <laughs>
0: First of all, I was I did not know Kathy Bates was in this. The only two people I knew about was the guy Kate who played Angus and George C. Scott because I'd seen the the poster uh-huh. of it. No idea Kathy Bates was in this and honestly was continuously surprised throughout the whole movie of how many actors I recognized in this entire film.
1: Yep. There are a couple more. Uh, but okay. Kathy Bates from Misery, Dolores Claiborne, she's in Titanic, she's been in tons of stuff. She's a phenomenal actress. Uh, and Grandpa Ivan, as you said, yes, it was George C. Scott, uh, also an Oscar winner. Um, he was Patton in the film Patton. Mm-hmm. He was also uh, the villain in Rescuers Down Under, the sequel to Rescuers. Oh, okay. And honestly, Corey and I talked about that movie yeah. uh, in um, one time, and his villain and his villain voice was awesome. I think that villain is actually kind of quite underrated when it comes to kind of cartoon uh, villains mm-hmm. so and Disney villains, so. Just bring that up. Also in Dr. Strange Love, He's been. In I
0: was going to say he is. his one of my favorite lines in any movie ever, yeah. which is we c- oh, come in there lower, low enough to fry chickens in a barnyard, which is one of his lines <laughs> so. from Dr. Strange Love. So, yep. Yeah. So. Uh, so this film, uh, as we already
1: kind of established, you had never seen this movie. You had only kind of passingly heard about it. Yep. For me, I saw this movie when I was younger um, in like, uh, I would say, probably middle school uh, was when I kind of think I saw it first. Um, middle school, maybe, maybe early. I, I know. I think. I think middle school, and it was not one that I saw in the theater. It mm-hmm. Came out in ninety five, so I would have been nine or ten when this was out, and I definitely didn't see this in the theater. But uh, I, I mean, I'm pretty certain I saw it on like uh, TNT or TBS, one of the two, and it was on TV, and that's where I saw this film. So, okay. and I just remember connecting to it because, unlike you, I mean you're a big guy now, <laughs> right? But you were never the big guy growing up. And I, and I know, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this before, like, you know, through, at least through like middle school, high school, you were fairly tall and in, you know, good shape. What well, I don't know
0: if I'd say good shape, but I was tall and, and I wasn't lanky, but I was just kind of average. Yeah. Average. Yep. Yeah.
1: And I was always a little bit on the more portly side. Like, I, 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 you know, I,
0: was I was always a chunkier. I, would, I was gonna say I would never go so far as really to say you were fat, but you were, we'll say husky. Yeah, 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 John.
1: You know that's just one of those nice things right, to tell course. fat kids. <laughs> oh, you're just big bones. Your bones are bigger for some reason. Yeah, they're bigger because they're carrying so much fucking weight. <laughs> so they have to be bigger and stronger. Uh, but yes. So yeah. So I. So as a kid, as someone younger, connecting to a main character. Who I thought I felt represented me better mm-hmm. um, was what I is is why I have such a nostalgic tie to this film. Uh, box office wise, so the budget for this film uh, was 1.5 million, and the box office was 4.8 million. So it you know it made more than double, it made triple its um its budget. So that's a success. It's not a huge success by any means, right? But it did okay. So you said you and your son watched it. Yes. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll we'll get to that near the end of the film, or if you have anything you know to drop in while we discuss. But uh, let's discuss our scene by scene breakdown, and we start off the movie with some narration. And Angus is setting himself up at he as he's the large kid, uh, he, in school he's kind of an outcast. He has a bully named Rick. He also has a bit of an anger problem, and he keeps <laughs> punching Rick, and he breaks his nose often. Uh, so it's not like he's not like he's a defenseless
0: nerd. No. At- Honestly, I was shocked that you wouldn't think that Rick would learn to leave him alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because he
1: he keeps getting his, like, he gets, in the the morning, in the early montage of this one, like, he gets his nose broken, like, three times. It kind of really sets up that, like, Angus definitely, you know, he's not not unwilling to fight back.
0: Yes. And this whole uh, beginning montage made my son laugh (laughs) only because every time he got punched, the other kid was like, you broke his nose, Angus. And so... For the last few days, my son has been quoting that. That's funny, because <laughs> he, he thought that was one of the funniest things.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I get it. Yeah, it's just kind of setting that up. But I think, I think you know, I why I I'm just gonna you know my own personal mm-hmm. journey with this film. Why I connect is because I feel like that too. Yeah. Like uh, Angus, we see him. He's a football player. He's you know, maybe not a star, but he's a solid football player. Yeah. He's not afraid to fight, but he's also still the fat kid and can be an outcast. And I never really felt too much like an outcast, but I always felt like the fat kid. Right. And I was also adequate at sports and adequate at school. And so this just felt like a character that felt like me.
0: Yeah. The so, other thing I didn't understand is how Rick was so mean to him when he was such a good <laughs> tackle for him. Like if, if, yeah, if that, Rick's the quarterback and you got an offensive line and they're good Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, praise them for for that. You'd think yeah. that they'd be able to connect on that kind of level, but yeah. Rick's just a
1: dick. Was, yes, he was definitely a dick about it. But yeah, if if Rick got into like college or pros and he was that kind of an asshole to his tackles, they would just let people fucking bowl over him. Right. Um. But yes, I did think that was kind of funny, and maybe maybe a bit of irony kind of written into the script that mm-hmm. they don't like each other so much. And Angus, who hates his, he has to protect his bully right. on the football field. Yeah. So, so, um, so we also meet his uh best friend Troy kind of in this early setup in this narration. His crush Melissa Lefevre, who he's loved since you know they were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he, he can't talk to her, that kind of stuff, but he's loving from afar. How uh, how Troy got on the football team, I'll never know. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, I
1: think they did say, and every time I watch this movie, they all they, they say they're freshmen. They're yeah. all freshmen. Right. They don't. They, they seem like they should be seniors. Yes. Um, or for at, sure. at the
0: very worst, like juniors or something.
1: Yeah. But this is JV. And I yeah. think maybe JV, they just allow more kids Anyone on the on. team. Anyone on. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. And then we get uh, some opening credits and the title credits played to the song, Am I Wrong, by Love Spit Love. There's too much that I can't. To myself, and I turn my back on my face. It's like glass when we break. I wish no one in my place.
0: And I've seen you
1: down. And so they do this with all this kind of marching band going, and I just have to say, I fucking love this song. Mm. Um am I wrong? and i found this song because of the soundtrack right and at one point this was actually this is there was one time when i was actually like paying attention to my itunes you know when <laughs> itunes music was like a thing right and my ipod and i would kind of like have maybe not rankings but i would track oh what's my most played song and this song was my most played song for a period Oh wow! On my yeah, like I I played it. I had it had the most plays of any song in my entire iTunes list. So uh, I, I just obviously again personal connections to this movie and through that.
0: One of the things I did notice throughout the film was I really did enjoy the soundtrack.
1: It's got a very '90s soundtrack, right?
0: It, It does, and very good stuff. And my son even noticed after was I think it was was it this one? Yeah, my son even noticed after a while that they were constantly referencing Green Day. Yes. And he was like, why are they they're always playing Green Day and they're constantly referen- referencing Green Day. And I found out why because one of the producers on this film was also a producer for the band Green Day. That's this was his first sense. like foray into film I guess as a producer, mm. so they made that connection and, you know, if, sure. if you're going to need make make your money, make your money twice. <laughs> once as a producer for the film, once as a producer for the band. Yep. And I would say the thing that helps
1: at least is that Green Day stayed relevant. You yes. know, it's not like they died off in like the, you know, the mid 90s. They stayed very strong. And are still so, relevant. Yeah. So that's that's helpful. So all right. So uh yes we we cut back to the game. There's a football game going on um and you know they're on there trying to get to the winning drive and Rick, the quarterback throws an interception and oh no uh Angus has to go tackle the guy who got The interception, and he does it, and he causes a fumble, but the ball falls right into the hands of Rick, who grabs it and runs in for a touchdown, and he scores, and he gets all the glory, and Angus gets
0: none. Which I don't think would really happen. I think credit would at least be given to Angus for causing the fumble. Oh,
1: it should. I mean, any good coach would do that. But I I think there are some liberties in this film where you're kind of, obviously, you're taking the side of Angus. You're maybe seeing the world through the way he sees it. Yeah. For example, we'll get the underwear on the flagpole is the big screaming moment that, that right. reminds me of this, but I think this might also be maybe a tie into that. Okay. All right. So the next morning we cut to the kids going to school and another good song. Ain't that unusual by the Goo, Goo dolls plays. Yours, most, like so Yeah, you already brought up the soundtrack, but I do want to just mention again, this just feels like a quintessential 90s alternative rock type of vibe with this whole movie and and the soundtrack. Yeah,
0: definitely makes the film feel like a 90s teen film.
1: Yes, exactly. You you know this is not set in modern times (laughs) by any means (laughs) um, from the attire, from all the plaid-ish plaid going around and definitely all the music that's played. But um, it's a time that, you know, we, can kind of relate to so yeah all right in science class angus shows his experiment uh he that his experiment is all about a that a deviation in a normal homogeneous system will be rejected and it gets this endothermic or exothermic reaction or whatever kind of has a small little explosion or whatnot and in general we just see you know that he's the science nerd and other people are you know again don't really care about him and whatnot we do recognize one of his friends run of sorry we do recognize one of rick's friends who's also kind of in his buddy group wearing a leather leatherman jackets uh kevin Connolly from yeah. entourage was yep. in their younger one so
0: that was nice and i could not figure out who it was but the other guy looked really familiar too
1: he did uh so he he doesn't even have a picture on imdb and i thought that was really strange but it's not like the guy wasn't in some stuff. His uh, his name is Mike, I think, in the movie. But he was in the movie Ghost Dad. I don't know if you ever saw that one, the Bill Cosby movie. You might I
0: recognize him from absolutely that. Absolutely saw Ghost Dad. Like I had, I had considered putting that on this <laughs> okay podcast for a while because I don't remember watching it.
1: So he was one of the kids in Ghost Dad. He had a um, he was in Saved by the Bell, the new class. He was in like okay. all of that, the that entire show, uh, L.A. Confidential. He's been in, you know, 25 different things is what it says. Stopped acting in 2012, but it's not like he wasn't in some stuff. And so I'm kind of right. surprised he doesn't have a, a picture at all. But yeah. But yes, he is recognizable, I feel, as well. Yeah. So Angus gets called into the principal's office and he is accepted for an interview to this magnet school called Jefferson uh, and he has going to have to do a science project. He's really wanting to get out of his current high school. He's not happy about his situation and he's a smart kid and he can try and, you know, go into this magnet program, program and do better for himself. Uh, at home, we meet his mom. I really do like their dynamic. I love mm-hmm. Kathy Bates as an actress. I mean, the way we are introduced to her is Angus and she are having an arm wrestling contest. <laughs> you know, she's just this kind of truck driver kind of type of lady. Um, the father passed away, you know, when Angus was born. And, we, you know, we just we meet the family. We meet the grandfather. And just all of them are overweight kind of people. They're just they come from big, big people. And they're just kind of that's that's all of them feel or Angus feels that they're all not normal. They're all kind of just large freaks, right. um, if you will. But the grandfather also very important uh, is prone to falling asleep. Because, you know, old people fall asleep, and that is something I have noticed for sure. <laughs>
0: uh, not even old people, middle-aged people <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, just in
1: the chair, it happens. Yeah. But Angus always puts on this uh, record of Reveille.
0: <laughs> Get damn it! <clears throat>
1: uh, that wakes him back up. All right, we cut to dinner, and we find out that the grandfather is going to be getting getting married to someone fairly soon. It's kind of strange that he's not with her right now, but whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's getting married to someone who is much younger than him named April. And so that's what's going to be happening. At school, Troy listens to the radio, mentioning Green Day. You know, he's if they play on the radio, he'll win some tickets, just setting up Green Day and, I think, soundtrack stuff. Um, Angus longs for Melissa and whatnot. Uh, Troy, the best friend, also, we get into this quite a bit, he's just a gross little weirdo, you know, they, he talks about swallowing snot, and we saw him talk about jock itch earlier, they make fun of each other, um, it's what best buds do, and they always kind of come back after they make fun of each other, and then they kind of, you know, do a high five and call each other buds, a, a guy, it's a guy thing, I feel, you know, We find out that this dance is happening. This winter ball is going to be there. There's a king and queen that are going to be voted on. Troy's mother is making him go to the dance. And then he hears the Green Day song on his radio and he runs straight trying to get to a phone, runs into Rick, who Rick and Angus are about to get into it. They're about to start fighting when the principal intervenes and warns that if Angus gets suspended, if he gets into any fight or anything, that he will not be able to get into the magnet school Jefferson. So... Uh, as they depart Rick picks up this flyer about the dance and the voting for king and queen and you can just tell immediately what's going to happen (laughs) he's going to mess with them in the park the grandfather plays chess with a friend and Angus talks to his uh, grandfather and you know the grandfather he has this motto Angus remember these words and always live by them screw them who cares what anybody thinks Screw them is his words, and, you know, who cares what they think? And he wants him to ask out Melissa. Um, and I really do like the relationships in this film. I like the relationships that Angus has with his mother, that he has with his father, with his grandfather. Um, I think, you know, because his father passed away, Angus had to be called upon to be a little bit more adult when he was younger. And so he has these kind of... They seem like they're more close friends, you know, on top of just being the actual you know, father figure or, or grand, uh, mother figure and grandfather mm-hmm. figure. So, uh, yeah. but they're also still very caring. And again, another setup about the father takes heart medicine, if you will. I think it's heart medicine, some kind of medicine. Did you by chance, and I doubt you would, but did you recognize the friend who was playing chess with George C. Scott? I did not. That was Irvin Kirshner, the director of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he's directed some other stuff. And I, I don't know... The connection, how or why he was in this <laughs> film, but there you go.
0: Okay, <laughs> that's cool. It's so, cool. a cool mm-hmm. little cameo.
1: Yeah. Uh, so we cut back to the school. Angus only, is the only one not wearing blue for the school pride assembly. Just kind of funny, again, pointing out his, his awkward outsiderness. Uh, mm-hmm. But here they announce who win, who won the king and queen for the winter ball. And, of course, the queen for this freshman winter ball, Melissa LaFever, And the king? Angus Bethune. What? Uh? Oh. I mean, we've seen enough of these teen movies and Carrie and other crap like that to know that that's exactly what was going to happen. Everyone turns and looks at him. Troy screams.
0: Holy shit.
1: Holy shit. As he runs. That
0: made me laugh so much.
1: <laughs> and he actually hits the fire alarm so to get everyone out of there, kind of to help distract. Um, and so he kind of goes. To talk to Angus, and um, Angus doesn't want to go to the dance. You know, and he talks with Troy in the hall. Melissa ends up walking by. He's all nervous and squirts water on himself from the water fountain. Um, but overall, he's just he's scared as hell about doing this. So, uh, at home, Angus continues work on his science project for Jefferson. He pulls out a picture, a framed picture that he has of Melissa Lefevre in his room.
0: That was a bit creepy for me. <laughs> Yeah, but teens are over the top sometimes. Yeah, the hormones are going. They are. And you know, we've already established that Angus is awkward. Yeah. He doesn't really know how to to, you know, be subtle or anything. Also, they didn't have smartphones cuz he, he couldn't just have a picture of her on, her, on his phone. True.
1: So. <laughs> True. He like, said, so "Got to do something."
0: I I I kind of get it. It mm. and I mean, yeah, having a framed picture does seem a little bit much, but it was the mid-90s. I mean,
1: we did we did from our we did from our, like, you know, hell, how many did people put their crushes from magazine cutouts and things like right. that? And so Absolutely. I guess he he had, he had found that picture of the crush from, of Melissa somewhere and had that. So, sure. All right. You know what? I re-
0: Fair. I remember when we were in high school and our – oh, God, it might have been middle school. Uh, you, you were really young, but do you remember when our father had to move away up to Pennsylvania because his job moved him up there? I mean, I I knew that that was a thing. Rem- I, I, yeah, I, I do remember it happening. Right, but you were you were very because I was in yes. like eighth grade when that happened. So that uh-huh. would have, you were in elementary school. Um, dad had dad had a calendar of like like powerlifting girls in bikinis, oh, yeah. and I took it home because he was <laughs> he didn't need it, and I cut all the pictures out and I put it on her wall. And her mom was like, "No, take him no. down." <laughs> She's like, no, a- "I can't allow this." No,
1: I mean. Yeah, Dad. Dad liked like those ladies. I mean, the Corey Everson poster that he had on his wall forever. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah, good for. Him. He had his. He had his type that <laughs> he liked. So, all right. Anyway, they're hanging out in Troy's room. I do like this line. He's, you know what? We need to, we need to change some stuff about you. He wants to turn Angus from a large pathetic virgin into a large pathetic virgin with a new look. And so, <laughs> and so they're gonna give him a, he gives him a bad haircut. Uh, Angus wakes up again. His grandfather with Reveille, um, and it's uh, time to take his pill again. More setup. More setup for that. Still worried about the dance, his grandfather tells him how to swoon a girl. Is he? You know, he's he's this older guy. He's kind of been through, I guess, this stuff before, and you know, now he's he's turned his mindset to to screw him exactly. That's his that's his mindset. So, because Angus can't dance, so the, the grandfather sets up lessons with Madame with uh, this dance teacher that he knows named Madame Rulenska. And did you recognize
0: that lady? That I believe was uh, Rita Moreno.
1: It was of uh, West Side Story fame, yep. The King and I. I mean, she's a phenomenal Broadway and, and you know, kind of musical actress, that mm-hmm. type of thing. So um, we get a whole montage of him having to learn to dance. The montages in this movie is are really what made me feel in the 90s. It wasn't this <laughs> one as much. There's this one coming up that, like, you know, it just screamed right. 90s <laughs> montage. And I'm sure Yeah, we'll talk about it in a second. But. All right, so he gets uh, then has to go get a tux, goes to a tux fitting. None of the black black tuxes fit. The only one that is uh, is of his size is this big purple tux and he doesn't want it any of course, but it's like it's plum. It's this big plum one. And even that um and I I didn't write down his name or anything, but even the guy who was the tuxedo salesman felt like he was a character actor that I'd seen him in other stuff. So it's still a good cast on this movie for sure. Yeah. We cut to Troy's room. They're hanging out. Troy brings out Wanda his sex doll that he has for some reason and he gives it to Angus to practice dancing with and so Angus is practicing his dance moves while Troy films him and immediately you know in your head I'm like well this is going to come back to bite you in the ass Uh huh. Uh, and we find out it's only like two more weeks before the dance and even you know while he's dancing around he discusses his love for Melissa LeFevre while on camera all this stuff which is you know it's going to screw him over and then we get a transition song Green Day J.A.R. So that song uh, was actually was previously unreleased. They recorded it during Dookie sessions, like while they were doing Dookie. Okay. Um, but it was uh, featured on the Sangha soundtrack, but it wasn't released, you know, with Dookie or on another soundtrack. It was kind of released as a single on its own. Hit number one on the modern rock chart. Oh, wow. So that's pretty good. So, yeah. But um, here we also get f- with this song of the montage I was talking about earlier, him of Angus working on trying to get ready for the dance, working on his science project, randomly dance, literally shots of just him and Troy in front of like a backdrop, randomly dancing. It just felt like almost like um like a like a 90s clothes montage kind of thing. It just this is the montage that screamed the 1990s more than anything to me. Mm-hmm. And it's dated and it's funny. And it's not good. It's not good (laughs) filmmaking. It's actually particularly bad. But I kind of give it a slide because it's like, you know what? This is just such a time and place type of filmmaking, you know? So, uh, all right. Uh, I do like at the end, though. Actually, I do want to talk a little film nerdy stuff right here. So at the end, they're they're listening to the J.A.R. The J.A.R. song starts. It starts off as what is called in filmmaking as non-diegetic. I have probably mentioned this before on the podcast. But diegetic and non-diegetic music means diegetic means it is music that can be heard. and It is heard and interacted with by the audience. Or sorry, sorry, by the characters. Right. Non-diegetic is Like, you know, a song played over a montage. Like, Rocky can't hear Eye of the Tiger, you know, during that workout montage. Right. But in this version we start off as non diegetic with this montage happening and then it turns into diegetic because they reference it that they're that he is listening to that song it ends on the radio yeah. and Rick gets called into the into the uh the radio station this motherfucker he gets so lucky all the time oh he just happened to walk by and heard the song and called up and he won free green day tickets oh and he got his quarterback
0: too <laughs> so my my son about 10 minutes and I, no joke 10 minutes after this scene out of the blue goes oh i get it quarterback because he was the quarterback and i'm like you buddy you are you're 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 reading way too much into that yeah he literally no, well, just he, got his quarterback
1: yeah that was because he doesn't understand payphones, <laughs> so maybe he was trying to make it work but yeah. he was on a payphone. um But yeah, just to emphasize that everything seems to work out for Rick at school. Rick and his friends pick on Troy, uh, who ends up letting slip that Angus has been practicing dancing and that their little sabotage might not go that way. So after football practice uh, in the locker room, you know, they're still kind of antagonizing Troy and uh, Angus. And we get and I'm not even joking with you, John, we get my favorite line in any movie, ever, okay, right here. So uh, Rick apparently, someone took it's obviously Rick took Angus's shirt, and you know he can't Angus can't find it, and Rick says, "Oh, I'd, I'd let you borrow mine, but you know it'll probably rip." Obviously a dig on Angus's weight, right? But Troy's response is,
0: "That's because it's cheap, like your mother."
1: That's because it's cheap, like your mother. <laughs> i love that line <laughs> i not even kidding say it if you asked my wife she'd be like yeah he says it all the fucking time like i say it any chance i can if if i hear something about something that's bad i will absolutely try to say that's because it's cheap like your mother
0: <laughs> it's so good it's so good it was a good comeback it it was an absolutely good comeback <laughs> So uh, so
1: because of that, yeah, Troy gets shoved into his locker for that for, for the comment. Uh, and Rick just kind of digs in to uh, Angus that Melissa, oh, she's going to hate being near him. She's saying that she's going to hate having to touch him because she he he knows that Angus likes Melissa. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's obvious. So, well, A- you know, they get out of this situation. Angus uh, notices that his underwear is gone, too. He has to go commando the rest of the day. He uh, they walk outside and where his, is his underwear, John? In perfect, you know, bully fashion, it's up on the flagpole. Yep. <laughs> so. Ran it up the like, flagpole. Right. Yeah, this never happened to me, or not to me, but like, I don't think this never happened in school or any of that kind of no. stuff. This is not really a, th- this no. is a movie trope. Also,
0: a, yeah. also, yes, they were big, but there's no way to know exactly whose they were.
1: No, unless he, yeah, wrote
0: on them. Right. So.
1: Yeah, so, but he's just, he's mortified because he knows it's his and he doesn't want everybody to see it. Um, I do like Troy's line.
0: Do you believe it? Your underwear is almost as big as the flag.
1: Can you believe it? Your underwear is almost as big as the flag. (laughs) Just kind of (laughs) funny. Melissa walks out and they're just hoping. Oh, hope she doesn't see it. Hope she doesn't see it. And she doesn't. Uh, And then Wynn picks up. She ends up turning because someone calls her name, and the underwear flies straight into her face. <laughs> Poor girl. But I do another little Troy line here. After that happens, Troy says,
0: "That's what you call getting a slice of the old dick pie."
1: That's what you call getting a slice of the old dick pie.
0: <laughs> again,
1: there's some there's some funny lines here. There are there's some funny All lines. So, uh, but again, yeah, you're right. No one knows that it's Angus's underwear, except for when Troy says it too loudly and that one kid hears, um, but just kind of funny. So uh, Angus and Troy leave. Uh, we see Troy, uh, though as Angus walks, Troy's kind of behind him. Troy gets taken away. He gets kidnapped by these, by the uh, bullies and they want to, they want him to give them something that will embarrass Angus again. Cause they're really trying to just bully this kid to, to bully him out and, and to, Make him feel like shit because they're asshole bullies They end up tripping Troy Troy gets a broken arm because of it or You know something or dislocated shoulder or something like that Because of it and ultimately they're just trying To intimidate him to Give them something to that they can use against Angus so mm-hmm. um, At the park uh, For the chess place uh, the, at the park where the grandfather plays chess. Angus reminds his grandfather again about the pill, playing chess, the wedding come up, all this kind of stuff. And again, just reemphasizing the grandfather's advice, screw him. All this kind of stuff. This scene definitely was just like reinforcing everything right here. That's, you know, set up reminder payoff that we'll be getting soon. So uh, Angus continues to work on his science experiment, but he's not getting the results that he's hoping for. So we'll have to continue with that. His, mo- his mother and grandfather talk about Angus. And we can tell that she's worried about him being humiliated. And I want to call out Kathy Bates's performance. We don't get enough Kathy Bates in this movie, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I love more of her because right here, I really love her acting and the way that the mother stands up for her son. The way that she talks about, you know, the grandfather says, like, you know, you know, he gets picked on and, you know, he's not strong enough and whatnot. And she just immediately flips. Like, I know how strong he is. All these kids keep doing this to him and he keeps getting up every single day and going to that school. And if he wants to go to a school that won't fucking pick on him, I want him to like, she, Mm -hmm. she knows how, how mentally tough he is um, for even just continuing, even though he's been bullied all his life, seemingly. So it's, she does it in a Kathy Bates acting way. And so I just wanted to, to particularly call that out. So, yeah, Meanwhile, Angus practices dancing with his doll, and his mom walks in on that. and eh, just kind of funny. Um, and we find out his interview is going to be on the same day, but it shouldn't interfere. Yeah, just some more really fun relationship stuff. I do like when she kind of leans into his ear and says, And They And they run, they run <laughs> yeah. downstairs. Obviously, something that, you know, it's what fat people can, you know, they connect on. <laughs> it's like, get it. Let's get some ice cream. So, Uh, Then we get this ominous shot. Uh, It's on like the bleachers. Everything is backlit. You only see shadows, but it's obviously Troy giving some kind of tape to Rick and his friends. Of course, we know what that tape is going to be. All right. It's now the grandfather's wedding day. We finally meet April. Uh, And so April is played by Anna Thompson. Um, I recognized her very much from Unforgiven. Uh, She Mm. was the woman who had kind of scars all over her face. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was kind of like the, you know, the one that basically sets Clint Eastwood off on his path. She's the MacGuffin. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So that's, so she's in that. She's also in The Crow, True Romance. She's been in a a good few things. So, Um, but for me, she's obviously, she's this, she's this thin blonde, obviously a parallel for Melissa Lefevre, if you will. Kind of like the grandfather, the grandfather got his Melissa Lefevre, if you will. Um, That Angus can kind of see So Angus um, does go to see his grandfather Who's excited, you know, he's pumped up Uh, I think he's around 72 Or they mentioned Um, but So he's excited for the wedding And Angus has a heart to heart with him You know, and I do like George C. Scott's line uh, Who tells him that Superman isn't brave Uh, Which of course, like What? That's kind of confusing But it's because Superman's indestructible He doesn't have to be brave And so he isn't. He can just go into any fight knowing he will be fine. But it's the people like Angus and his mother who are the brave ones. So Mm -hmm. Angus talks about his fears. And, you know, he just kind of has a little soliloquy, if you will, for a bit as the camera moves to him. And then Angus notices that his grandfather has fallen asleep again. All right. Time to put on Reveille. But this time the grandfather doesn't wake up. He passed away.
0: Yeah, I, I I knew exactly what had happened as soon as he mm-hmm. fell asleep, but it it still it still was pretty impactful. I got to say,
1: it was impactful. Of course, Angus cries as we see him about to tell his mother, and then, in my opinion, just a beautiful, heartbreaking scene. We cut to the park, and the song "Washing of the Water" by Gabriel, uh, by Peter Gabriel plays. And it works really well. Mm-hmm. And the grandfather's friend, uh, Irvin Kirshner, is sitting at the chess board, waiting for his friend to come play with him. Mm-hmm. And the song, which is just kind of a brutal song, Angus walks up, does the one pawn out, forfeits the the king piece. Yeah, just you know, showing that his friend has passed away. And I swear, God, I'm even getting teared up now. Yeah, I cry. I'm not even fucking kidding. I cry <laughs> almost every single time at this scene.
0: It was very emotional and I think it caught me off guard cuz I've been laughing throughout this whole time. And yeah, the grandfather's kind of been an, an old grumpy pain in the ass, but that's <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone's grandfather. Exactly. You know, that's what just what happens when you get to that age. You get to be that kind of grumpy person. And then but he's always, you know, been there for Angus and 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 stuff and and then for it to happen and you see immediately like they when when they show Angus again him crying, it's not him, like, with the sad, mopey face and, like, a single tear. He's crying. Mm-hmm. He's in it emotionally. And that really just brings you into that situation. And it caught me off guard. And I, I could feel it welling up, um, mm-hmm. especially in that next scene when he, when he walked out to the, to the chessboard. So I totally yeah. get it.
1: Yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, later. Uh, still at the chessboard, still in the park. Angus is by himself. Troy comes by. He We see him in his arm sling, and he lies about how that happened, of course. And mm-hmm. Angus is just, he's upset right now, of course, about everything. And he yells at Troy, and he wants to go to this dance, but he's too afraid. You know, he doesn't want to make a fool of himself. He doesn't want to embarrass himself or Melissa. So uh, later, April comes by the house. She brings uh, the tuxedo that the grandfather had purchased for him, and it's this big plum tuxedo, of course. And you know what? Fuck it. He is going to go to the uh, go to the dance. We cut to him being dressed up. I like his line.
0: I look like Moby Grape.
1: I look like Moby Grape because <laughs> he's,
0: <laughs> he's
1: a big guy in a big grape suit. So, uh, but as he's about to go off, that interviewer who was apparently supposed to be there earlier in the day. Has just arrived, and so now he has to do this interview uh, for Jefferson. He goes over his science experiment, which he starts to go over, but then the music swells behind him. John, he's getting, he's building his confidence. This whole science experiment is about the abnormal element that you know that you drop into a homogeneous setting. You know what? It can stick around. It can change. It can change the system. You know, it can. Um, If it's if it's brave enough, if it just decides to have the will uh, to continue, it can change the system around him. He's basically going on (laughs) as he's talking about that. I'm still here at I'm still here, asshole. Uh, He's basically he's going to prove his fucking point. He's going to (laughs) go a little drop on the hard drop on the F on that one.
0: The element can hold out long enough and face the torment of the system until the system's energy is depleted. If the element can look the system in the eye and say, I'm still here, asshole, then the system will have to change, adapt, mutate. And if this happens, it'll approve my fucking point. Which is what? There is no
1: normal. But um, basically, it's it really just to, you know, to prove that there is no normal. And Angus leaves to go to the dance. So he gets to the dance. Troy tries to kind of warn him that they're going to be doing something. Uh, they bicker back and forth. But again, they're still buds. They walk in together. Rick is an asshole immediately. And, you know, they can tell he's about to go do something. Um, Angus and Melissa have to go backstage to prep for the walkout as king and queen. And, you know, he's obviously nervous, sweating his face off. And he has to p- try to pin the corsage on her. And it's it's humorous. And it's relatable. I feel like most guys can relate you know, most people mm-hmm. can relate to being nervous in these kind of situations, especially when you're near someone that you like. And heck, if you have to pin a corsage on them, it's up near the chest and it's just like, it's, it's always relatable. Those school dance things, you know, are good. But yeah, and she, but she is nervous though, as well, because I don't think she likes, you know, big social, you know, things where everybody looks at her. And he's kind of surprised by that because she's always been in the spotlight.
0: Yeah, so. she, the further, the more and more we get to know her the more and more confused I am as to why she's with Rick at all. Yeah. Because they they do not seem like their personalities would gel.
1: No. uh, My assumption is that she feels she's supposed to. Right. You know, as, like, the head cheerleader, go for the quarterback, um, and she feels like the social norms is what she has to do. They don't dive into that, but that's kind of the – it's what I – a lot to her. um, Because also tie that into, say – her eating disorder that we learned about later. Again, she, she is feeling social pressure probably to look a certain way. Hence that eating disorder, which is why I would tie her into why she probably is just dating this guy who is obviously a dick. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So they walk out as King and Queen and then Rick and his buddies play the tape from Troy. And of course it embarrasses him and Melissa's embarrassed and runs off. Um, Angus runs after her. To go check on her, but she's actually upset about Rick because Rick's the jerk, not upset about Angus, yep. and she, confi- she confides in him that she is bulimic. I do I do like to, she, she asks Angus, do you know what that means? And he's like, I'm a fat kid, of course I know what that means. <laughs> like, all fat kids think, hell, even just last week I was making a joke with my friends about, like... You know, at work, being like, you know, I just need to go bulimic because I love food too much. But you know, this way I can have my cake and eat it too. But you know, I can right. have it and then you know, still lose weight, <laughs> which, when, which don't do kids. It's not good for you.
0: No, and actually, when that when she said she goes, I'm bulimic. My son went, what is that? And then she goes, Do you know what that means? And he goes, Oh, never mind. She's going to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then she didn't really tell us because he goes because then Angus goes, Yes, every I, so then I had to explain to Avery or to my sure. son. Uh, what um what bulimic was so but I think also the scene
1: to show that you know and to show Angus that a lot of other people maybe not Rick because Rick is a little one dimensional mm-hmm. uh, not a little he's very one dimensional but other people that even though you may look up to them even though you may think that they have it all have some problems too and they have mm-hmm. their own social pressures and their own issues and you know he put Melissa fever on this big pedestal and guess what she also is having her own problems so Uh, but you know what screw them and they're going to go back in and dance because they're kind of they're building back up and so they go back into the dance and they dance to the song Fade Into You by Mazzy Starr I love that song man it's a good song beautiful yeah yeah it's almost got like a almost like a dark feel maybe not haunting but like a darker feel Mm -hmm. but it's just nice it's beautiful I really like it so the dancing goes well Rick is pissed because of it of course because he doesn't want Angus to uh, thrive and so he starts pushing Angus and punching it punches him right in the face Um, I would have liked someone to say that he broke his nose but you kind of kind of imply it right yeah Um, and Angus gets back up though because that's what he does he gets back up and he starts pushing back and he's basically like I can beat your ass right here which he could Mm -hmm. but he's not going to he just wants to his own little inspirational speech I mean this is a very contrived like this would never happen in real high school
0: no especially because I liked how that all the teachers were literally just standing there watching (laughs) happen (laughs)
1: Yes. Yeah. The principal, the principal. All the teachers, just literally letting like this fight happen. And but Angus gives his inspirational speech that about all these people. And it's the it's the assholes like Troy who have made every person feel, you know, that none of them are normal, even though they have. They're all they're all different, but they're all, quote unquote, normal, all that kind of stuff. You know, we're all OK the way we are. And Rick is the one asshole, you know, um, out of it who is just bullying everyone, basically. So uh, afterwards, Melissa. Wants to continue dancing, and Rick is left with no one by his side, and so he's obviously lost the day, lost the situation. So, um, Angus invites Troy to spaz out on the dance floor. I always kind of like that because Troy's got, you know, Troy's got Angus, so they they all just kind of dance. Um, Troy accidentally breaks Rick's nose, which is just kind of funny, <laughs> and they dance to the song "You Gave Your Love to Me Softly" by Weezer. She asks Angus to walk her home, so he gives her a little dip. He's he's feeling the swoon. His grandfather's vibes are, are feeling for him, so he walks her home. He gets a kiss on the cheek. He's doing great. We get some narration at the end that he got into Jefferson, but he's going to stay right where he's at because screw him, and he's still going to be here, and he's still going to continue his uh, career in high school, and he's going to enjoy that. And the movie ends with uh, J.A.R. from Green Day playing once again. Mm-hmm. I'd love for, I, you know, I'm particularly interested your first time seeing it. You brought mm-hmm. it to a new generation to see if your son, what he thought about this film.
0: So I just want to say at the end, the before he walked her home, um, I think when they're dancing, he does a little dip. Yes. And so my son goes, oh, they're going to kiss. And I thought so too. And then they didn't. And I liked that. Mm-hmm. i liked that they didn't kiss because they didn't they don't know each other yeah. really i mean he yeah. kind of but like he doesn't really know her because he's still obviously finding out things about her so the, the the little kiss on the cheek i found to be very appropriate i know it seems like yeah. a small thing but it would be very easy to just be like oh he got the girl he gets to kiss her at the end not it seemed it seemed wrong if they, if there was like a big deep kiss at, at the end so i i actually appreciated how they the, the direction they took that I agree. They're high school freshmen.
1: You know, these are not like people who are going off to, to college are going to go get married and whatnot. Right. These are kids. If we kind of, and I think, yeah, kiss on the cheek at the end is and, perfect. And they're
0: still awkward. So I think that yes, it would just be, it would just, yeah, it, nothing, none, nothing about it would feel authentic. I think. Yeah. So, um, if, for as far as my son, I think he liked it. Um, he did kept he uh, throughout the last few days because uh, I watched it. Was today's Monday? I think I watched it Saturday or Friday night. One of those two. Uh, I think it was Saturday, and uh, he kept making references to it, and okay. you know, he laughed at it. So I think he enjoyed it because he stayed and watched with me the whole time. And didn't Didn't waver from it. So I think I think he. I don't know what. I haven't talked with him personally about it, but I think he found something to connect with. So. Ooh. I, I I think you got him. This movie surprised me. Um, I not that I was expecting it to be bad per se, but I think I was expecting to kind of be indifferent to it. Mm-hmm. I found it to be very charming, and I think if I had seen it when I was a kid, I probably also would have found things to identify with. Angus, I was not particularly big. I did have a few weight issues that I kind of struggle with mildly, but I also was kind of like that awkward kid who was not popular. And in what not. And I totally could have found something to identify with, uh, t- you know, with this movie. And I think it probably would have become one that I would have enjoyed pretty well um, as a teen. So uh, I guess better late than never. Yeah. But I actually very much enjoyed it. Nice.
1: I will say that kind of honestly surprises me. I mean, you're right. I think the perfect way to put this is the film has charm. I think that I loved that because that's a great description. Breaking this down as like a film, I understand it's not the best film ever. In fact, it's not even a great made film. Um, It's got its flaws, but I love the themes and the ideas that it's putting forth, the ideas that there is no normal, the idea of screw it, just be confident. I love the acting. I think um, Charlie, the the uh, Charlie Talbert who uh, who does the who plays Angus, does a very adequate job for his first mm-hmm. film. Yeah. Um. You know he's leading this one. I think Katzy, Kathy Bates is phenomenal. I think George C. Scott does a damn good job. Yeah. And I already mentioned it, but I'm not even kidding. That one chess scene in the park. Hell, you saw me on this. John, you saw me here. Yeah. I was my eyes were getting red just thinking about it. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a heart-wrenching scene and so poignantly done in a silly little teen comedy. Yeah, You're right. You don't expect it to come from here, and it hits real hard, probably harder because of that.
0: Yeah. Technical filmmaking aside, this movie has a lot of heart, and that goes mm-hmm. a long way.
1: Yep. And, and that's probably why, you know, as a, a kid, uh, you know, as that chubby kid who connected in multiple ways, as I mentioned with Angus, why I can make those passes for some of those technical errors that they might make um, for that terrible 90s montage that every time I see it does kind of make me laugh and cringe. But the movie, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a heartwarming, wonderful, nostalgic film for me, and it will always be that way. Mm. And now we're going to talk Life with Louie. Uh, this cartoon ran from 1994 to 1998, three seasons, 39 episodes on Fox Kids. Uh, it was created and based on the childhood of Louie Anderson, who is a stand-up comedian. Uh, you know, he's an actor. He was a former game show host. He hosted Family Feud. And unfortunately, we lost him just last year in 2022. hmm uh, this show was also co-created by Matthew O'Callaghan. Uh, he wrote, in part, wrote The Great Mouse Detective um, and a few other things, if you remember that uh, movie back in the day. <laughs> and the cast for this cartoon, uh, Louis and his dad are both voiced by Louis Anderson. Uh, the mom was voiced by Edie McClurg, who you would recognize from Ferris Bueller. Yeah. planes, strays, and automobiles. Yes, many, uh, many more things for her as well.
0: He's a righteous dude. The exact it's
1: the first thing I think of when I think of Edie McClair for sure. Uh Genie who is uh, Louis's best friend, was played by Debbie Derryberry. She's done everything from Jimmy Neutron, Toy Story, Fuse and Bobby's World. She's been tons of stuff. We've yeah. mentioned her multiple times. Uh, Michael Grunwald, who was kind of one of Louie's friends, came across as a dick to me in this show. Uh. Uh, but <laughs> he was voiced by Justin uh, Schenkerow. Uh, most people, would, I think, would know him from Erie, Indiana, but he was also in Picket Fences. Hey, Arnold. He's been quite a bit of stuff. Huh. Tommy was voiced by uh, Michael or Miko Hughes. And you would recognize uh, Michael Hughes from Kindergarten Cop because he has the line, Boys have a penis, girls have vagina.
0: Ah, yes. <laughs> that, that I'm looking kid. at his photo, and immediately I didn't recognize him, but as soon as you said that, uh-huh. I totally see it now. Yes. I can see it in the <laughs> face.
1: Yep. Uh, he was also in Pet Cemetery, some Apollo 13, and he played Louis', uh younger brother. Uh, and then other actors who appeared on this show uh, is everybody from Liz Sheridan. Uh, Eddie Deason, Jess Harnell, Jim Cummings, Stephen Tobolowski, Ed Asner, Shelley Long, Brian Doyle-Murray, a whole bunch of fantastic names in this one. So my connection with Life with Louie was that I watched the show. I legitimately hmm. remember watching this show. It was not a favorite of mine, you know, kind of when we talked Bobby's World. You know, I do remember watching it when I was younger. I don't remember it being an all time favorite or anything, but I right. do remember it being when it was on. I would watch it. I would typically, you know, I'd say I'd have like a Fox Kids block on. Maybe Spider-Man was on at the same time and I would just kind of – or and some other Fox Kids ones and I would just kind of roll through, you know, all of them together and Life with Louie would just be part of that. Um, and so, yeah, this was one I definitely watched when I was younger. What about you? Do you remember this show uh, from when you were a kid?
0: I remember, the sh- I, I remember the show existing and I remember probably having seen a couple episodes a series I think it started in like 94 so that's roughly around the time I started going to high school or also around sure. the time I kind of stopped watching a lot of cartoons if I did watch it it probably wasn't passing cuz you were watching it um or it was it just fell somewhere you know on on a rotation and we didn't have a lot of options well we had we said we had significantly more options than like our parents did for tv but <laughs> yes but you know still we only had so many um, so I like I very much remember that this existed but it was not one that uh I remember like going all out for I'm uh, just looking at the fun facts I just found this interesting this show became a huge cult hit in Eastern Europe and Russia and really? yes because it was repeatedly shown somewhere in the 2000s and apparently the the dubbing work on it was done really really well so it became a huge cult hit and uh, in an interview Lou Anderson said that uh, out, out of all of his Twitter followers, at least three hundred thousand of them were from that region of the world. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: That's really funny. Yeah, I had no idea. So yeah, um, the show itself is very standard animated kids show about the life of Louis and his family. You know, I wouldn't say that there's anything that particularly stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, I did say I do say. The design of the dad looks almost exactly like Drew Carey to me. Like a, you know like young- I had that exact same thought. Dude, I don't know what it was. Like maybe they did design a little bit or maybe Louis Anderson's dad when he was younger looked a lot like Drew Carey. Yeah. I don't know, but it definitely had that feel which almost to the to the vibe for me when the voice was actually just Lou was Louis Anderson kind of doing the father's voice, I was like I wish they had had Drew Carey do the voice here. Yeah. I just felt like it would have done better. But that aside, he was kind of a stereotypical former vet, you know, like he, right. but he was always referencing the war and Normandy right. and shit like that. <laughs> you know, things were better back in my day or we had it tougher than you kind of back in my day. Right. That kind of generation thing where nowadays I'm vehemently like ah, oh, fuck off old man. Um, But a lot of people the are the baby boomers had those type of parents like that. That was it for sure. So, uh, the show itself was produced by Hyperion Animation. They they did the animation. They've also worked on uh, Brave Little Toaster, Rover Dangerfield, The Proud Family, or some of the other things that they did. Uh, And to me, yeah, the show's style, it started off, it's very similar to, like, Bobby's World, where, like, you had, I guess this was a thing in the 90s where, like, these comedians were just given cartoons, you know, and at the beginning, Louis would, like, show up and talk. In season one, he would, like talk to the audience mm-hmm. and like say something and then it would go into the episode he kind of would e- even narrate through the episode yeah and then at the um at the end of it kind of come back and like talk about the lessons he learned or that they learned and things like that in uh, season two though they did replace like those the beginning live action stuff and it got an actual theme song oh, okay let me tell you about my family hey,
0: Let's take a look and see what's happening Rollercoaster ride, no surprise It's life with Louie, Louie, Louie Life with Louie, Louie, Louie It's life with lackable, lovable, completely huggable It's like with Louie
1: And the theme song was fine. <laughs> it was nothing amazing, um, but I would say it actually probably helped. I actually liked having a theme song at the beginning probably more than seeing the Louis Anderson. Like, I, okay. I, why do I need him at the beginning myself? Right. But, but it's fine. Okay. It's fine. Um, Interestingly, Louis Anderson won two Emmys for this show. Wow. For Outstanding Performer in an Animated Program. That kind of surprises me. <laughs> yeah. But I will say I did watch... Um, So I watched... I kind of did this again how I've done before at times where I just kind of put on the show and then I start doing because there's certain notes that I can do where I don't have to pay attention and then certain notes that I do where I have to pay attention to mm. like the show and the movie uh, so I did that and I had probably four different episodes going on okay uh, that I watched through but I did skip I watched like three of like the first season like the first three episodes and then I skipped to a season two and the season two episode that I picked, happened to also be imdb's top rated one um, oh. that i noticed but it was because he dealt uh they dealt with the loss of his mother's uh grandmother or his mother's mother so his oh, okay. grandmother passed away yeah. his grandmother passed away and then it actually felt honestly and i wouldn't be surprised the the episodes i saw in the first season felt very cookie cutter mm-hmm. uh, felt very kind of like nothing special but this episode that was in season two felt like okay you're actually dealing with like some more legit kids stuff you know things that you have to have to go through you know it tackled some real world issues about like uh things that i saw from loss of the grandparents bullies first love all that kind of stuff so i do think maybe in season two and three they got a little bit better with the writing uh from what i saw
0: okay so um, I only yeah. saw one episode. I kind of only had. I kind of waited too long, and then I only had time for one episode. Sure. Um, and I think it was definitely a season one episode because it was. Uh, I, I. I. It had Louie Anderson live. Louie Anderson in the beginning and that's the like, end. Yeah. Um, yeah. If
1: you didn't get. The, if you didn't get the. Um, the. Uh, the intro music, the theme song, then yeah, it must have been season one.
0: Yeah. Uh, but that's interesting to hear because now, now it makes me want to find that episode and, and see what they did to grow beyond uh, the one mm-hmm. episode I saw.
1: Yeah, I'd, rec- I'd recommend that. I thought that was a decent episode for sure. I think it was the last episode of season two, but it definitely I could see improvement in the show on that one. So that was that was nice to see. Um, and I honestly don't have much else to talk about this show in. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just dive into my final shot thoughts. Sure. The show, it was OK. It's not amazing by any means. It's, it's a show that. I'll have you know some slight fond remembrance of, but it was never a favorite, and it didn't become a favorite in rewatching it. Completely decent show, though. I do think I don't know if this show would connect with kids today um, as much. I don't know if it would be one that be would worth showing to your kids. I probably doubt it. It also hurts that it's only on YouTube, right? And you can't find it anywhere else. Not to say you know it's a problem on YouTube, but it usually quality isn't as strong, right? from that connection so yeah well also I guess with what, what the kids can't connect to is they can't understand I don't think the father figures today like John your dad your son cannot look at this show and be like oh my dad is very similar to the dad in life with Louis right like no no dads are like that anymore no they're not these you know these greatest generation whatever they call themselves people who are like oh back in my day it was better and tougher right like shut up <laughs> your whole job is to make life easier for your kids, I, so don't complain you know that their life is easier. I had
0: that exact same thought uh, that you know, a lot of people complain that the newest generation have it easy, but then you spend your whole life trying to make it easier for your children, so you can't yes. complain about that. No, it's stupid. Yeah, it's hypo- hypocritical. It, it, so, it absolutely is. Yeah,
1: uh, but yeah. So, but but I would, I would throw just my last little thing. Overall the themes of family, childhood and coming of age, they work for any generation, hmm. but the show itself is just is mediocre.
0: Largely I pretty much agree. It was it was okay and I, granted I only saw one episode. Now, I did, the my kids were in the room when I was watching it. I'm pretty sure they weren't paying attention at all to it. I don't think sure. anything in the show really <laughs> grabbed them. Yeah. I I found myself chuckling at some kind of cute moments and you know some funny things. It did feel very 90s to me um Mm -hmm. watching it um i you know it's definitely not one that i had a particularly huge nostalgia for so not one i ever see myself like going through and watching the rest i might go check out that other episode because that does it it would be interesting to see where the the growth of the show went yeah but largely it came out fairly just kind of meh for me This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by. Now there's a new way to lose weight and feel great. Introducing delicious new Ultra Slim Fast Foods. Slim Fast has big news for you. Eat food you love and lose weight too.
1: Slim Fast Foods taste so, oh, so great. And they
0: help you lose the weight. It's a way of life. The new Slim Fast way of life shakes snacks meals and desserts slim fast gives you less of the fat and calories and more vitamins minerals and fiber and great taste with the
1: slim fast plan you feel so great and food you love and lose the weight it's a way of life the new slim fast way of life a shake for breakfast, another for lunch, a sensible three-course dinner, and three snacks throughout the day.
0: You're losing weight and feeling great. A new slim, fast way of life. All right, and now we're going to do the casting part of the show, as we mentioned at the top. Did we mention at the top that we're going to recast Angus? Yeah, Okay. I mentioned that. Uh, we're going to recast Angus using Actors of Today. I was a little surprised, Adam, that you wanted to do this because- <laughs> We all know your feelings on casting kids, but I also know what this film means to you, so I can see why you would want to put in the work and mm-hmm. recast this film. So for the characters, we're going to do Angus, Melissa, Rick, Troy, uh, Meg, who is the mother, and Grandpa Ivan. And I think that's that's about right. Those are the characters you you want to recast.
1: Yep. Yeah, and more even like the principal or anything more is just like okay, they're not they're all ancillary.
0: Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, all right. Well, let's start with the grandpa, and I'll go first. I'll let you have kind of last words because this was definitely sure. your this was your episode of, of stuff okay. you wanted to talk about. Um, so, i I know that they they talk about sort of the family being big, but the grandpa never really mentions himself. I wouldn't necessarily have called him like a big guy. He was maybe kind of, he kind of had that like slightly overweight, older body, but I didn't necessarily Mm -hmm. see him as like being too big of a guy. He did mention like, uh, he goes, you know, your grandmother was big or something like that. So to me, I didn't necessarily need to make the grandfather big, but I did want him, I, I did want him to have like a personality. So I went with Steve Buscemi. Okay, well, he definitely did not go with the <laughs> the, the th- thickness no. side of it at all. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. He's not even thick with one C. No, not at all. <laughs> um, as an actor, I like him. He
1: is one of those actors that, you know, you've seen him in so many different types of roles. You've seen him in a lot of kind of crazy, weird sidecast roles. But you also see him, he's done everything from quirky to super dramatic mm-hmm. to super funny. Yeah. He's all over the place. So I can't ever really shit on any role he does because I've already seen him do a wide array <laughs> right. and he does it well.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think so. you no, he's he's old he's up there in age now and I think kind of a... a I, well, I would say Ivan was loving. I mean I think mm-hmm. he was a little uh crude about it maybe. Sure. But yeah. I think seeing Steve Buscemi in that sort of kind of loving grandfather role, I think, is yeah. would be interesting to see, especially one who's having to dole out wisdom, sure to his grandson. I agree with that. Okay, who'd you go with? Mine
1: was, I'd say, and I think you'd agree, will be is very one to one to George C. Scott. Okay, um, he ha- also has that older, you definitely overweight grandpa body. He also has the, I'd say, a very similar vibe. To George C. Scott where he's kind of, he's rough around the edges, you know, he kind of can come across even intimidating at times, Um, but I've seen him be loving in movies at times and whatnot. He's a fantastic actor. Um, I don't think he's ever won an Oscar, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he did sometime um, or he's definitely probably had to have been nominated. I went with Brian Cox as my grandfather.
0: I, and you know what? I could totally see Brian Cox doing a movie like this. Yeah. Um, That totally works for me.
1: We've seen him do serious stuff like secession, like other stuff. We've seen him do comedies like uh, Super Troopers, right? Exactly. So he, he 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 also has a wide array of of acting that he'll do.
0: Yeah, I totally see that, and I I th- would I think would m- make it a great addition to a cast like this. So cool. I'm all for that. Uh, all right, uh, the mother Meg Bethung is it Bethung Bethune? No, Bethune. Bethune
1: Bethune. Ah, I I, th- I typed Bethung, but it's okay, Bethune. Bethune. Okay.
0: <laughs> Uh all right so I picked an actress I don't think I've used before and she is mostly known for her voice but she is a bigger woman and I think having that experience in this uh cuz I wouldn't say Kathy Bates was at her biggest when she was doing this no. uh film but I think that's a theme that needs to run through the family uh I I think she's about at the right age. I could see her playing a, a mother. I went with Keela Settle, who was better known as the bearded woman from The Greatest Showman. I
1: considered her. Okay. I absolutely, I, I absolutely, um, I had it actually literally down between her and then the person I ultimately went with, but because, and i had only seen her in that movie, mm-hmm. but her acting was really good. Yeah, in she the was Greatest Showman.
0: very strong in that film. Yeah.
1: So I, I really really like that call because I was I was trying to look at like larger actresses and she was on there and I was like oh yeah ooh she's very good so yeah really good call I like that a lot okay cool
0: well who who did you end up uh, choosing then? So I ended up choosing um, an actress
1: who I at first wasn't certain was going to be the one I wanted and that's why I kind of kept looking but when I kind of dove in deeper I realized oh this actress has done some dramatic roles. In fact, this actress was nominated for an Oscar uh for best uh, for best, a- best actress in a S- dramatic role in 2018 for her for her role in Can You Ever Forgive Me? She was also nominated for the Golden Globe for that performance. So she can do some really good dramatic acting. Mm. She's mostly known for over the top comedy, but because I've seen that she has been accredited with some of like you know some quality dramatic acting, I'm with Melissa McCarthy As my mother.
0: She was also someone I kind of briefly looked at and decided I didn't want to cast her. But sometimes I think those actors and actresses who just are just blatantly known for comedy Mm -hmm. aren't given enough credit for how tough it is to actually act in some of those kinds of comedy. And I think those skills translate easily or not necessarily Mm -hmm. easily, but they translate well when moving to drama. We saw it with Jim Carrey. Who was this yeah. crazy kooky guy? And then we're like, "Oh, motherfucker can act." Yeah. And so I am totally not. I have not seen uh, whatever that was. Yeah, me neither. Can you ever forgive me? But i not. I'm not surprised by it. So I think you. I mm-hmm. think you've you've gone with a good choice in that. Cool. Uh, all right, Troy. This one was a little bit interesting because you got to find kind of the young nerdy kid no one
1: looks like chris owen man i was trying to find someone who kind of had a similar geeky look no he is he is
0: he was perfect for for that time i think i found a good a a good choice because he's played the geeky side character in a show i really liked i went with musa mustafa who was eugene in the show wednesday
1: oh yes yes Oh, that's a really good call.
0: I don't know. I that didn't come to me. It's kind of a. It's the same, similar kind of character. He's an awkward character, um, yeah. side side friend. But he played yeah. it so well that I I think would he translate. He's, really the well to this. Yes, he's, he's the bug he's kid. Yes, he's the bug. kid. He's the bee kid. Yes. Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I think that's a really good, really good pick.
0: Uh, all right. Who did you pick?
1: So yeah, I um. All of my. I, I think I would probably age up the movie not out of high school, mm-hmm. but probably up to at least junior or senior okay. level. I'd get him out of freshman year, partly because all my actors are right at that like 1920 age. Right. And so I just feel like even that's kind of hard to assume they're freshmen anymore. So my actor has done, you know, he's he's a fantastic comedic side high school kid. Mm-hmm. And we all thought he was I mean, he became one of my favorite characters. In Stranger Things, and I think he can play like that side silly guy, perfect. I want Gaten Mat- Matazaro. That's also a, my a great
0: call. Okay, and uh, I heard, I heard interesting. Or Mat- Matarazzo. I, I, yeah. I'm sure I screwed up. Whatever um, I, I heard interesting. and I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that he has like a medical condition where he's actually losing his sight. Is it? Oh, really? I think. Oh, I could suck. I could have misheard that. I'm just going based off of what I remember seeing. But if so, mm-hmm. that is very alarming and and, and hopefully yeah. he's able to get whatever help he needs for um mm-hmm. either treating that or at least being able to uh, uh, you know deal with whatever comes forward yeah like I said i'm going based off of like a couple of videos i saw and some comments i gotcha. saw so i don't know how true this is but mm-hmm. if that's the case but either way i still think he's a good pick for this role. Okay. Based on yeah. his previous cool. work. Uh, all, right. all right, Rick Sanford, Rick the Dick. Uh, <laughs> he
1: is Rick the Dick.
0: I ended up because this is this is a very much a one sided character, as you kind of mentioned. It could be any number of kids who've played high school dicks and shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't want to pick anyone from Stranger Things because I've used them all at this point. So yeah, I went I with an actor you. who. Is in a show I've never seen and probably will never see, um, but he's got the he's got a good look, and so I I think he could play that kind of douchey high school kid because he's currently in a show that is about high school. I don't know if the show has ended yet. It says it 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 says ended 2019 to 2022, so maybe it did end, but it had hmm. three seasons, so it you know it had at least a run. Um, mm-hmm. And he, who is on the uh, high School Musical: The Musical: The Series. Uh-huh. I got I can't believe they had that. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, his name is Matt Cornett, and I think he's just got that kind of high school quarterback look. Looking at his picture, yes, he does. <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> I, yeah, I, he I does. know
0: nothing about his character on that show, but he kind of has that jock look that is what I'm going for. And so, if he's got, if he's got the The experience on on this series, I think it could translate pretty well to this film.
1: Yep, I can totally see. I can totally see that. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, My actor that I chose for Rick the Dick Sanford. (laughs) Um, I I definitely I wanted to. I was starting to look through kids who I felt could have like a jock look Um, because I you know you go through a lot of these. You know, oh, who are the best actors under a certain age? And, you know, you go to, of course, a lot of the Stranger Things kids and stuff like that. And, and most of them, I mean, they play nerds. Mm-hmm. And so they don't have, like, the jock look um, with a lot of this stuff. And then I came across uh, the old a movie I've gone to multiple times with this age casting is the It franchise mm-hmm. as well. And I came across this actor, and he is... Um, I haven't really seen much that he's done, but he's done the two It movies. I did see that first one. I didn't see the second one, um, but he's still doing some other stuff, and he's got a jock look to him. I went with Chosen Jacobs as my Rick.
0: Okay. Um, Have I seen him in anything? Yeah, did you... I mean, did you see the It movies? No, I've, I've never really been interested uh, in didn't. them. Okay. Um, I don't think i've seen him in anything but he's been working steadily Mm -hmm. so he doesn't
1: have a a huge amount of credits but you know as of recently he still yeah it has a good good bit but i mean he
0: see other than it he did he had a short stint on castle rock which i didn't see i didn't really have much interest that was the this was the one that i think is stephen king also adjacent um Mm -hmm. did a seven Mm -hmm. episode stint on the new hawaii 50 yeah and he's got a he's got a good look so i'm I'm sure. I'm 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 with you on this. Okay. I'm with you on this. I take it. Uh all right, Melissa. Uh I think I I think I overreached with my Melissa only because I think this actress is is starting to get a lot of praise um mm-hmm. not only for the TV show that she was in, but for a movie that recently came out. And I am talking about she is in Stranger Things and uh, in the movie The Whale, which Brenda Fraser just won a Critic's Choice Award for Best Actor for. Uh um, and I went with Sadie Sink. Yeah, you I think you used her I a few times back. I have used her yeah. a few times. I think she has she, more of that look than like Millie Bobby Brown would. Yeah. So I I wholeheartedly agree.
1: There's there is a
0: there is a girl
1: next door sweetness yeah. to um to Melissa LaFever yes. that I wanted to keep, and that's why I first, you know, I, I thought, well, maybe Bobby Brown's like the the hot, you know, young actress right, right. now, but like you know what? No, she's she doesn't have the right feel. No.
0: Sadie Sink does,
1: yeah. Um, but I didn't go with her, okay. but I think that's I think that's a that's a good call.
0: Okay, Um yep. I don't know that she would do something like this because Melissa doesn't have a lot of really a lot of lines. She has a lot of screen time, just not a lot of she, lines. Yeah. Sure. But uh, all right, who did you pick? Uh, I ended up going with another
1: actress from a fantastic show from 2022 um, that we both really enjoyed, and that show being uh, House of the Dragon, but this time I went with the young Alicent Hightower. Uh, her name is Emily Carey, and so I think she has this this sweetness look to her, and that the Alicent Hightower obviously had that too, uh, and so that's why I went with her as my Melissa Lefevre.
0: Okay. I'm all for that. I I thought she did a really really good job. I really wish we had spent more time uh with with young uh young Reina and young Allison more than mm-hmm, we got uh in the show. But I mean I can see they're going off of, of off of the book and, and there are time mm-hmm. jumps in the book, so they did the time jumps in the show and I so you see that. I just hope we get to see more of those two actresses in you know I hope they get the praise that they feel like they deserve and get 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 more stuff. Yeah, I you're right. I don't want to be d- we, I know we're going into
1: season two or whenever season two happens, it's like, I feel like we've, I think we've already, you know, we're done with those actresses and I, I like them a lot. Yeah. I want to see more. Yeah. I don't want to see them in that world more, but you're right. I think we're unfortunately, we're probably done with that.
0: Yeah. But I think that's also a very good call. Okay. Would you, not that this really matters at all. Would you make her do an American accent? I probably would. My head goes to yes, even though my Angus isn't American either. Ah, but, but I mean, this is I, this is an American high school story. It feels like it, it. Yeah, feels, feels like more it. than yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I I agree. Yep. Uh, all right, Angus, this one was fairly tough. Um, it's hard to to find uh, someone who's a right. I mean, they went with an unknown for angus yeah. and it worked out for them and maybe that's the right call mm-hmm. uh for even for something like this but um uh, i since i feel like trying to say i'm just gonna pick an unknown is like a cop out answer um <laughs> yeah. i wanted to go with someone and i looked around and i also went to the well of it for this oh. and went with jeremy ray taylor i uh, yeah i do remember him from that one yeah, yeah, yeah
1: okay that's uh that's a that's a very good call
0: I mean he's older I mean he's almost 20 no, he's, now he's 19 right now, now. so but I yeah, mean yeah. that's that's fine they they, they were they were they're gonna pick a, a kid who's 18 or older to to, to be yep. in it anyway because they don't want to pay for the overtime for having an actual mm-hmm. teenager <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah I didn't I didn't I don't know why I didn't think of him but that is a good that is a good choice so
1: uh so. all right bring us home madam All right. So, yeah, I I picked a a larger kid because, yes, of course, that is an important theme for me uh, with the connection to Angus. Um, Now, the only thing with this actor, I've seen him in one things and I know he's in another big movie, but I haven't seen it and I doubt. He has to do much dramatic stuff, but again, he's an actor. I know that's your favorite thing you rip on me <laughs> sometimes. Of they're an actor. They can figure it out. Um, so, yes, he's an actor. He can figure it out, even though he the, the movie I've seen him in that I most know him from, he was a little dick in it, um, <laughs> but he was a funny little dick. You know, It's hard not to be funny when you're sitting beside Brian Reynolds in Deadpool, which is such an awesome thing. I went with Julian Dennison as my
0: Angus. I, I think that's a good call. Okay. I think that's a good call. Co- I mean, he's he's he he fits that that bill, um, mm-hmm. and I think he's a good actor.
1: Yeah, he's he was recently also in uh, the Godzilla vs Kong, which I doubt was all that good. I had no really
0: desire to see it. I didn't even know that was a thing.
1: Yeah, it came out twenty twenty one. Millie Bobby Brown was also in it. Uh, a couple different people. So oh, uh,
0: so it was part yeah. of that whole Godzilla franchise. Yes,
1: part of the Godzilla franchise. Okay. So, but yeah, but I, I mean, I liked him as an actor in the Deadpool two. I think he did a surprisingly solid job for for Deadpool two. And so knowing that he's still doing stuff and in still pretty big franchises, I'm hoping that, you know, he could, uh, he could
0: bring it home for me and, and be a solid new Angus. All right. I'm totally for that. All right, folks. That was our recasting of Angus.
1: Please join us next time for another album review episode. John and I go over the Eagles live album, Hell Freezes Over.
0: If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.